Since 1973, Tattoo Charlie's has been an established body modification studio in Kentucky. Featuring world-renowned artists and piercers, currently with locations on Preston Highway and in Lexington. A staple point in the tattoo community. Learn more at TattooCharlie's.com. Set up your appointment today at 7904 Preston Highway. Our tattoos are done while you wait. Hey guys, Wrestling Steve of the Wrestling Steve Show here. Uh, so if you're currently listening to the Metal Forge with Mark Jackson, then you understand that Mark Jackson has a pretty discerning taste when it comes to music as a whole. You'll also understand that he has a discerning taste for professional wrestling, just like me. The, my show is called The Wrestling Steve Show. Uh, I talk about modern and classic pro wrestling in a completely unbiased, unfiltered way. Be sure to check me out on all available podcasting platforms. That is The Wrestling Steve Show. And I am the host, Wrestling Steve. Just remember, uh, like, like Confucius said, uh, man who goes through turnstile in Thailand uh, is going to Bangkok. Pro wrestling. Thank you for tuning into the Metal Forge. I am Mark Jackson, and I'm your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple. Awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at MetalForgeRadio at gmail.com or visit the website, MetalForgeRadio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. What's up, Metalheads? Thank you for tuning in. It is the Metal Forge. I'm your host, Mark Jackson, and it is Friday, September 11th. And today I have Trevor William Church calling in from the bands Haunt and Beastmaker. And I will be featuring songs from both of them on the show today. And you are right where you need to be, either in your car, in your office, uh, working out, listening to the show. Fuck, yeah, absolutely. I'm coming to you from Chesapeake Bay, Virginia. Uh, having a good time so far. And yeah, that's the awesome stuff that I do. See, I'm on vacation and I'm still doing a podcast for everyone. We're pretty close to 2,500 likes on the Facebook page. We have over 2,500 follows. We've really jumped up in Instagram follows as well this past week. Thank you so much for everything of that. But before I start talking about Haunt and playing some Haunt music, I do want to feature a song from a band called Low 12. They're from Bloomington, Illinois. They have a song called A Hero's Last Stand, and it's about a gentleman uh, named Rick Rescorla, who died in the September 11th attacks. He actually predicted that the attack was going to happen based off of the bombing in 1993, and he set safety protocols in the buildings, and that's where they were able to get many of the people out. Yes, there was still a loss of 3,000 people, with over 25,000 people injured, but there were so many more lives saved because of the things that he incorporated while he uh, in his time of working there. So this is Low 12 from Bloomington, Illinois. I hope to have him on the show soon. So here is a song, A Hero's Last Stand. Right. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's believed the 737 has crashed into the side of the World Trade Center, Tower 1. saw another explosion, another explosion in tower number two. A second plane has hit the World Trade Center. It is a shock to see the South Tower fall. All I can see right now in Lower Manhattan is a cloud of dust. This is a sad moment. American hero was killed today at the World Trade Center. Rick Rescorla saved nearly 3,000 of his fellow employees of Morgan Stanley Dean Whitaker. Rescorla was born in Cornwall in the United Kingdom and led an action-filled life that finally brought him to the United States. He joined the Army and fought bravely in the Vietnam War. Lieutenant Rescorla saved many lives and was a hero during the battle of the now famous I Dream Valley in 1965, the 7th U.S. Cavalry. So the band Low 12 is fronted by a gentleman uh, named Pete Altieri, and Overload, my band played with them back years ago in Danville, Illinois, a place called Under Caution, and the interesting thing enough about that was when I bought that album and they played that song live, I was like, wow, I knew Rick because my dad was in the service with Rick. The thing about it was, was like it, it, it connected to me because it was about somebody that I knew. So thank you, Pete, for you know writing something like that because it does connect and it does do, the, it does do the job of what 
music should do is connect with people. But Pete also does a podcast called Murder Metal Mayhem. They release weekly episodes as well. You can find their podcast at murdermetalmayhem.com. And they go through a bunch of different stuff on there. It's not necessarily just all metal music. It's uh, true crime, heavy metal, and everything. You know, and there, There's a couple of hosts on the show. You should check it out, seriously. You can get it everywhere you can get to Metal Forge. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, CastBox, all that stuff. It's MurderMetalMayhem.com. Check them out, okay? And now, this is Luminous Eyes by Haunt.
All right, so I'm being joined on the line right now with Trevor from Haunt and Beastmaker. Trevor, how are you doing? Very good, man. Good to be with you. All right, well, let's get this ball rolling. So with uh, COVID-19 and the dynamic change of not being able to tour, how has that affected you? <laughs> You're making me not miss the road right now because that's <laughs> right? probably why that's probably why I'm not a road dog anymore is because I'm like, oh, God, I'm so tired of sitting in vans and and all that stuff after all these years. I'm like, can I just go play a festival and be done with it? And but right. that's that's just because I'm getting old and I'm a dad. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Like, you were you were wine twenty years ago, and I would have been like, yeah, let's go. I wouldn't even look back, you know. But now it's like I got the studio. I'm trying to do a label, and I got to like the just. I'm just. I just seem to can't. I can't help myself but the pile as much stuff as I can onto myself right now. I'm try. I feel like I'm trying to catch up for lost time because. I wasn't always like the singer in two bands that have some moderate success. You know what I mean? I have Beastmaker, which has done, I mean, it's still to this day sells. I sell records all the time, every day for Beastmaker. And we haven't played a show in two years. Wow. So how does Beastmaker differ from Haunt then? I definitely, I, I def, I, and I like Beastmaker a lot, to be honest with you. Like I miss it. Because it was a very simple time, and the music was very simple. I just used my knowledge of horror movies as lyrical things, and now with Haunt, I'm like way more deep and personal, and it takes me a little bit longer to come up with shit. I remember one time I wrote lyrics for like four songs in Beastmaker in one day. I could never do that in Haunt. Haunt, it takes me, it takes me longer to come up with the lyrics than anything else. Right. Just because I'm trying to like. I'm trying to do something different with Haunt, talking about real life shit that I've gone through or stuff that people gone through that I, that I know or trying to make it like this reality of, you know, all the years. I just have all the experience now. So you've been able to grow as a musician and a lyricist all around, I guess. I think when I was young, I couldn't write lyrics. I had nothing to fucking write about because nothing bad happened. Fast forward into my like 20, you know, my 20s, like, I'm, I'm talking about going out of a teenager, uh, teenage Trevor to adult Trevor. My cousin Mike died when I was 19. He taught me how to skate, play guitar, and showed me heavy metal. I was devastated, world crushed. Fast forward seven years later, my other cousin Daniel, who I grew up playing music with, we actually had a couple bands together. He died in a car accident as well. You know, fast forward five years later, my cousin Brandon, he, he and I grew up playing guitar together as well because, like, he was a guitarist bassist, and we'd learn stuff from each other. He'd teach me stuff all the time. He's a little bit older. He died. Oh it's my just gosh. like, oh, so I, I think with just all this, the stuff that really happened and all the, you know, also, like, it, it led me into alcoholism for a little bit. I don't know if I was an alcoholic because I did a couple of these like weird, like Harvard tests. My wife's an educator. So she's always like on these sites where she's like, let's see if you're this or that. You know, it's like so weird. I went on a site and she asked me a grip of questions about, cause they're, you know, they, there's a way to actually really determine if you are an alcoholic. And apparently I just didn't, I didn't drink. I didn't wake up in the morning and drink or anything. I kept a job the whole time, but like, man, I was drowning shit at night, like big time, like nighttime came and, you know, I had to get, you know, I had to like, for some reason I had to fucking go out and drink, but oh, dude, I, I thought I was going to die. I literally like, I was waking up in the mornings going, oh my God, but some, some fucking how I maintained a job through five years of just drinking hard liquor every night. And I didn't really drink before that that much. I'd party and stuff on the weekends. I wasn't, I was always kind of into skateboarding and, and alcohol and skateboarding don't really, sports and alcohol combined aren't usually the best idea, especially no, skateboarding. No, not at all. Yeah. It never really like clicked, you know, in my, in my formative years, but in, until really bad things started happening, like my cousin's dying and, me, I, I never really liked drugs other than marijuana. So I, I, I didn't really go that route. I hate what pills do to me. I mean, it's not like I haven't tried them, but I, I don't really like being a zombie. And the other thing is like, you put me on anything that's up. You could already tell I talk a million miles per hour as is. 
imagine me on meth. I'd be like, you know, it'd be like, wow. it'd be fucking outrageous because I'm already outrageous as, you know, it also you can tell by the output of music probably too that I'm like a fucking goddamn, you know, it's like, it's like almost like I'm on an assembly line. I'm like, here's a song, here's a song, here's an album, here's an album. I could do that all day. So I'm cruising on your Bandcamp page while we're talking, and it looks like over the last year and a half, you've recorded and released three albums. Oh, yeah. And I'm so, not even done. I have another album in the bag right now. Yeah, I saw the post for it the other day. No, no, that, <laughs> oh, that's, that- re-record- that's re-recorded old work with synth, and I kind of reimagined it. I think co- COVID is really giving me time to, like, I got a bunch of new gear, and part of the DIY thing is it's like, it's kind of like one of those worlds of like, of almost like bartering and trading. Like every album, I'm able to like somehow like not have to have a day job anymore and also buy new equipment to record with because part of it is also to grow. So me, the musical journey is part of, part, partly getting new equipment. So every time I do a record, you, you could almost guess that I need something. So with Triumph, the re-recording of older songs, that means you're going to be buying some new equipment. Seriously. It's right. like, if you see it, you're like, oh, Trevor is trying to buy something expensive right now. <laughs> so that's the, I mean, only, I put, the only time you put I, out albums is when you need to I buy put something? Flash, I put Flashback out, and as soon as I, I started getting the pre-orders and the digital stuff, and I had everything in the pipeline to get done, I spent five grand on analog mixing gear because it was the only thing that was really missing from my studio. I had been using like plugins for my mixing and, and stuff. So I, I wanted to upgrade there. You know, I, I mean, like I've been recording it into the computer the right way, but I wasn't do, like, I'm not going to say that, that plugins are the wrong way because probably every major pop album that's out right now is done with plugins and, they're so good nowadays you can barely tell but i could tell you that with doing triumph which is you know the reimagined work um i i I, it was almost like a it was like a homework assignment for a minute i was like ah what am i doing and i and i was just one day i was like my wife was like listening to my music through her earbuds she got some like new earbuds and she goes why does luminous eyes sound like shit i was like what She's like, yeah, she's like, it's not, com-. she's like, she's like, I'm going through your albums and like, she's like, Luminous Eyes just doesn't sound that good. And she's like, and it's such a good song. She's like, why don't you redo that shit? And I came out here and I was just fucking around. I put some synth on it. Like, and then, you know, I, I re-recorded the drums and uh it just became a rabbit hole. I was like, you know what? I own both these EPs now. Nobody owns it anymore. I'm going to re-record it. I don't want to. I was just kind of also getting tired of selling two EPs. So why is that? Because it's just very expensive to keep EPs in print, to be honest. It's like right. you have to charge. You have to pay full length album prices. You know, you got to buy a 12 inch. Um, doesn't really fit on a 10 inch, not haunt because the songs are a little bit too, just a hair too long, just a hair. Right. And who the fuck likes 10 inches? I hate them. They do not fit on my shelf good at all. I recently just acquired a 10, uh, my first 10 inch because I've always, same thing. I've always shied away from buying them because they look awkward. If you put them next to any 12 or any seven. You have to have a fucking 10 inch collection. It's like opening a new, it's like opening a new wormhole. You're like, oh, yes, 10 it inches. Is. I, I only have three. Oh, nobody can see it. You can't, you can't see it. And that's the, that's the big thing for me is like, I don't even know they're there. That's so funny that you say that because when I bought the 10 inch, the split, it's fucking phenomenal, but I put it somewhere and I'm like, oh fuck, where did I put it? And then I was like, oh, well, here it is, dumbass. And I've had it probably about two weeks now. Yeah, where the <laughs> fuck did it go? So it's a it's a way I don't like doing ten inches. I I'm actually against it entirely. So it's just really costly to keep um, mosaic and luminous eyes has been repressed five times. Oh, so wow. I feel like luminous eyes. Well, it's like one of my more popular releases, probably because it was my first, and it's like super lo-fi and like I recorded in a weekend. It was like almost. I, I, the best way I could put it is like a, it was me 
throwing out a line to see if people would even like it because I wasn't sure. I was very unsure. I didn't have a band, you know, or anything. Like there was no, there was no motive other than to write something that wasn't Beast Maker, that didn't have to be horror. Because I was trying, I've actually, if you look at the Beast Maker catalog, I tried to like kind of wiggle out of it with this record called Eye of the Storm. And it just didn't really do that good. And like the songs actually, I think are some of my best songs. The song I have the storm and there's a song on there called shadows that are really great. And it just wasn't really well received. And then if you listen to my another EP I did called body and soul, if you listen to the bridges, they're basically haunt bridges, bridges. Okay. So it sounds like you were really at a musical crossroads between beast maker and haunt. And I was just really like trying to morph stuff at this period of time because I didn't know if I wanted to do Haunt or Beastmaker. Beastmaker was a real band and we were booking tours. We were out with Zach Wilde. We were out with Stone Jesus in Europe. They're huge over there. And I mean, every night sold out with Stone Jesus. It was insane. Nobody liked Beastmaker though. They fucking hated us on that tour. It was bad. Really? There was like a show. Yeah, there was like a show. I can't remember. But we made like $60 in merch and I like wanted to die. I was like, wow. I was like, this is the worst merch. I was like, why did we even come here? And it was just not, I think like we did have some good turnouts on that tour, but I think they was really more of a stoner metal crowd. If you really take a look at like Beastmaker and myself, we are not stoner metal. We smoke a lot of weed, but like we are, I don't listen to that kind of music. I don't really like it that much, to be honest. And nothing against those type of bands. I just like traditional doom metal, like Candlemass, St. Vitus, Black Sabbath, and stuff like that. You know, as far as the doom stuff and, and some of the newer doom bands, like, you know, like Uncle Acid, which has kind of gotten a little bit more, they're, they're kind of, have changed their tune a little bit. First time I saw them was uh, just here last November with King Diamond. Sick. I uh, love them. Yeah. Blew, uh, it totally blew me away because there was the grittiness of 70 Sabbath, like volume yeah. four Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, sure. where it's got that real high end uh, yeah. fidelity. And yeah. yeah, completely awesomeness. So it sounds like that tour just kind of put you at a crossroad. It was just a weird tour, you know, and when we got back from that, I was like really actually, to be honest with you, I was really starting to feel down because like I was still working a day job, uh, 40, I was working a full-time job during Beastmaker and it was really hard because like I would, you could see if you look at the catalog, I was writing a lot. I was really trying to break through because I didn't want to have to go to work anymore. I'd been working the same job for like 18 years. Oh, wow. And yeah, and I was like super sick of it. And, you know, I was just like, God, I want to get out of this so bad. Like, and it's kind of was like a going nowhere job. I had plateaued. Like I wasn't going to really make any more money. You know, it was just like, it wasn't a bad job. I was a hairstylist. So it wasn't like bad at all as my own boss but there's a lot of things that came with being a hairstylist that i don't miss one is confirming all my goddamn appointments every day i'm so so glad i don't have to do that anymore i mean imagine doing that (laughs) dude it's just like man confirm 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 and then you know you go in you gotta wait everybody's late so you're waiting 15 minutes basically for everybody and then you're just like and there was a period of time there too during Beastmaker because I was trying to buy a house so I could build a recording studio. And after being on Rise Above Records with Beastmaker, I realized I was never going to make any money. I was like, I'm not going to make any money. I was like, this is not a money making thing. All right. And I'm going to take a real quick break here, Trevor, and tell everybody about Patreon. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Metal Forge this week. I really appreciate every last one of you that listens. But before I go any further, I do want to tell you that we do have a Patreon page here and there's three tiers. There's the down and $30 tier. It's just a buck. Hey, you're not going to miss a buck. Nobody does. Then there's the $5 showstoppers tier, which you get a patch stickers, whatever we have that's in that price range. And then there's the $20 a month master where you can get a t-shirt, any size, any color of the metal forge logo. Fuck. Yeah. That's awesome stuff. Oh, and by the way, if you donate on there, guess what? You get the show two days in advance from everybody else. 
Thank you all so much. It's patreon.com slash metalforgeradio. Check it out and donate today. I love you guys. Thank you. All right, everybody. Welcome back. So back to what we were talking about. So being on a label was pretty disillusioning then. It was a big old reality check in um, the fucking rap label, actually. There's a lot of good bands on it. The record deal sucked. They didn't really make didn't really make much money. And I, I don't know. I Maybe Beastmaker sucked. I don't fucking know, but I liked it. So when did you realize that you had to go into business for yourself and, and kind of dump the label aspect of things? Haunt kind of gave me that glimmer, like luminous eyes. I think we were talking about the pressings. Like, it's been pressed so many times. Uh, that was like really like the first moment. And it was also, I didn't want to sign with anybody. I was not going to get into a deal. I had people cause I, I actually released it digitally before even talking about doing vinyl. I was just like, I'm just going to put this out digitally. I'm going to own it here. It did super good on Bandcamp just as a digital download alone. And then when I put out the vinyl, it was just like, holy shit. I think we sold out of the, the first pressing of vinyl as soon as it came out. Like it was like gone. So that was cool. It wasn't like we printed a hundred thousand or anything. I mean, if you look at, I, I get to, I get to look at bands contracts sometimes these days. Cause I'm like the band camp guru guy now. Like I've been, you know, I make a living on band camp basically. And because of things like band camp, you know, it's like, you know, if I had to like rely on Spotify and then a, a, an independent label or major label, um, I probably wouldn't have any money at all because most of your streaming services are so backwards for artists. It's the complete opposite of making money. It's like anti-money. And then when you are signed to a big label, they usually take a hundred percent of the commercial digital distribution and you owe them money anyway. So it's like basically paying off your debt. Right. To the label. It's all, it's, it's a really weird thing. I didn't know a lot about music business, even though my dad, like, is bass player of Sammy Hagar. He wasn't dealing with record deals and shit. He just was playing in the bands. Um, I kind of had to learn some shit on my own. So after getting out of the not-so-good independent deal that you were on, you did some stuff on your own, and now you're being distributed by Shadow Kingdom Records. So how is that? I think Shadow Kingdom was, like, the best step for Haunt because... He let, I kept, I just told him what I wanted. I said, Hey, look, dude, this is what I'm going for. Like, if you want to be part of that, cool. But if not, then no, you know, like I'm not desperate for a label. My best friend, Daniel, one of my best friends in the world right now, Daniel Hall, we, we're, we're close. He owns Riding Easy Records. Great label. He's a fucking, he is somebody that like has basically given me a roadmap to how to do this by myself. It was, it was because of him that I even was like, all right, I'm doing my own label. But I'm just saying, if I wanted to be on a label, it was right there for me. Like, I wanted to do something independent. I wanted to do, try a complete, like, Fugazi kind of thing where it's like, hey, have your own label, make your own rules. Right. Like, uh, what's, what's your goal? Are you trying to be some, like, fucking, are you trying to be a rock star or just, like, you're trying to put out records and I'm just trying to put out records. All the other stuff I don't care about anymore. I'm too fucking old. It doesn't matter any, anymore to me at all. I just want to document the things that I'm coming up with and try to just excel as a musician and also do other bands. Like I'm drumming in Saber. Uh, I'm going to do their, their debut full length. I helped them put out their um, seven inch just recently on my label. And then I have my other band, Hysteria, as well. I'm, you know, and like, it's just like recording whatever. It's like whoever could get over here and do something. It's almost like it's like available, but it's like how many bands are from Fresno, California that I'm going to actually like and be like, yeah, I'll record you, produce you and help you do everything. None. <laughs> None have presented themselves here. So it's been very slim there. So I've been like really working on my own shit. So I've been looking on the Bandcamp pages of both Beastmaker and Haunt, and from You Must Sin back in 2015 to now in 2020 with Flashback from Haunt, you've had 25 releases in five years. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of that? Killing it. Yeah, that's like insane. <laughs> I bought a car. I bought a car two years ago. Cash. Because of the releases? Because, oh, my god! Yeah, because, because of Bandcamp. I never was able to do that when I was on Rise Above. I was actually, like, I think at that time, like, I only had, like, five grand in my bank account. And I was like, oh, we're going to need that if we break down somewhere in the middle of nowhere. 
you know, and then all of a sudden it just hit like wildfire. It just really did. And especially when I started releasing my own, it was mainly because I started releasing my own stuff for Beastmaker. So that was all hundred percent to me because I played on all the EPs. It's just me. Right. I did the bass. I did the drums. I did the production. I did everything. It was like, it was like a very, it it was one of those things that it really opened up a new world. It really allowed me to start buying studio equipment, which any, anybody knows, unless you're already independently wealthy, it's really hard. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, and it's expensive. It's not something where you just go, it's, it's, it costs you more to like, I mean, you got to buy a computer. You have to have a fucking top of the line interface. You have to have, if you want to do things like, like, the real way you have to have all these nice preamps going into it. You have to have compressors and all this equipment. And then you get to the microphones and then, then the next thing you know, you're like playing drums. Like I'm a drummer and I'm playing like these cheaper, like Gretsch kits that are like kind of high end, but not. And, and I'm just listening to them back and I'm like, this sounds terrible. And then by the time I start upgrading, I'm now spending three grand on drum sets, you know? Right. It's like, you know, it's it's been really rad because it's allowed me freedom just to be a musician. I don't answer to anybody. I play to the beat of my own drum and I get to do it every single day. That has been the reward. So during the pandemic and all of the quarantining and all of that shit, I know you've still been working on your general music, but what's the craziest thing that you think you've been working on lately? I've been like, working on a 12 string version <laughs> mind freeze all of a sudden i didn't wow. know it was gonna happen i've been jamming it like all the time because i watch my kid like all you know like i play acoustic guitar inside and but I, I i don't really like acoustic guitar so i started playing my 12 string and realized that was like a totally different instrument that i had to conquer and since you write and record everything how does that apply for like your hired musicians the the live band aspect so it's been a weird trip. But anyway, um, it was such like it was I mean, like not I, I've said this in other interviews. So it's like nothing against the guys that played with me. But we didn't since we aren't like an like we don't operate like a band. It's a singer. So I'm like, I have songs and then I send the guys a song, and go learn it. And then we play it. You know, that's been kind of the format forever. So it's been the format since Beastmaker, really. Um, and it's really hard to, if you had to send, every, like, we can never play all the songs that we have because some of them, they literally learned one time and we never played it again. So it was a weird, it was a weird variation of things that made me realize I needed to go back to like the roots of Luminous Eyes and just be kind of a one man band. Tell me more about the album artwork, because looking at Haunt and Beastmaker, they're pretty iconic and almost like a second member of the band, because you can spot an album without seeing a name and saying, that's this. How did you come up with that? Um, I have about three different artists I use generally. Um, the original artist was Bronca Studio from Spain, and... I, I had come up with the the uh, Yuma Sin cover. I found this um, poster of Vincent Price from a French movie poster for the Dr. Fives film. Right. And it had all the shit around it. And I just took it into like GIMP, which is like a, a free Photoshop type thing and removed all the shit. And there was like blood dripping down on the poster too. So I just like, I just kind of like photoed a beastmaker's like font into the blood already and just and and just kind of like try to make an album cover and that was like kind of the first thing it was like very influenced by shepherd fairy who i don't know if you're familiar with shepherd fairy but he uh he's obey i don't know if you've ever seen the clothing company obey yes, or yes, all, yes. And the andre the giant stuff i mean he he's like fucking world renowned but i grew up in the skateboarding in in, in skateboarding so all my friends that were skaters that did graffiti and stuff, they were all like, you know, talking about, you know, giant obey, all that. And the graphic design thing always 
for as long as I can remember, I always liked it the best as an art form, as an art medium, as graphic design. It really always spoke to me. So I, I kind of just did some amateur shit and I got me and, you know, uh, Bronca Studio hit me up and he goes, Hey man, um, I can make your album cover look way better. He's like, I love the music. Let me fix this for you. And there was the beginning of that. And it just kind of morphed into some different designers over the years. Uh, the person that's done the, the person that did the haunt logo was Bronca and he did the luminous size cover. So I definitely owe a lot to him because I think the cover really got people going and the logo. I love the logo. Um, he killed it. Definitely. Uh, but, but yeah, I've always kind of been like, like visually, I have to like it before I'm like, okay, art director, I guess you could call me art director. Yeah. You know, I definitely like when I did flashback, I, when I talked with Brewmaster Visual Decay, which is the, which is, uh, the company that does the art max, I told him I wanted an hourglass. I was like, make a cover with an hourglass on it. And, you know, just stuff like that, like I've thrown at him and, you know, sometimes he come up with stuff on his own. Other times it's me just, yeah, or changing some stuff. So, like, I definitely have an involvement in the art 100%. The artwork that blew me away, that turned me on to your music, was the Eye of the Storm artwork, where it's like the Castle Grayskull-looking thing, you know, like Masters of the Universe artwork yeah. for the cassette. You like that one? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then going... Everybody hated the new logo, by the way. Really? I kind of, I like yeah. that, actually. I like both. Man, I like the blood, I got, and I like the uh, kind of uh, Simon's Quest logo. I got fucking shit for changing the logo, dude. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was bad. It was, trust me. I, like, I, I was I was just like, whoa. They're like, what's with the new logo? I hate it. And I'm just like, man, you know how people are on the internet. They got a fucking, everybody has an opinion. They got balls. <laughs> so they're, the keyboard, the keyboard warrior comes out. They probably never say that shit to your face. You know, I mean, if they did, it's fine. I could take it. I'm a grown, I'm a, I'm a nearly 40 year old man. So I'm going to go, well, you don't like it. Sorry, man. I wasn't really. You know, I wasn't really put here to be the person to be, you know, I, I feel like my my musical mission in life is just to try to write songs that people can relate to. My main my main goal is to pull on the heartstrings of people. That's really what I'm after. Right. I, like everything else, I'm like, I, you know, if you don't like some of the art or whatever, or, you know, or it's a critical thing, it's like. And the other thing is I don't really plan on changing that much of my direction. My direction is my direction. This has been my focus from day one. And I haven't really seen anything or done anything else to make me want to move away from what I am doing artistically as my covers. Um, granted, the subject matters change. I have them do new things. And it's like, I think also is like, if you look at like how we do colors of things, we're constantly evolving colors. It's a lot of fun to be able to have that kind of manipulation. Right. Because you, you know, get like the, like on EP number six with beast maker, you got the blue uh, zombie skull face and then you've got the red yeah. logo and, yeah. and then the, the fire and the red and in, in number seven and so yeah. on and so forth. And oh yeah, it's like I have I have fans that come up to me from Beastmakers still going like, man, they're like still haven't got through all the EPs, but all the ones I've listened to are so good. How the fuck did you do all that? Right, Trevor. Thank you. This has been a, such an awesome interview. Um, but on the Metal Forge, you know, I do like to actually get to know my guests a little bit more on a personal level. So I'm going to ask you some general questions because you know we're all people. We all like doing the same thing we all like music and movies and food and all that shit so do you have a favorite film favorite movie holy mackerel well i think that um the last man on earth with vincent price is probably one of my favorites ever i knew it was gonna why did i know it was gonna be something with vincent price in it because <laughs> we were just uh, talking about the you must send cover <laughs> yeah man and then and then if any like 
that one specifically because like the story of it of how and just his character in it i don't really like a lot of modern movies i like modern tv shows um a lot but as far as new movies go i don't think there's anything i've seen in the last 10 years that i give a fuck about right not since not since Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh my god. That's been 20, even, 20 years. Ago. 20 years that I have I mean I could care less except for last night I started to watch Idiocracy with uh Luke Wilson. Uh cuz it just came on Amazon Prime. I was like, "Oh, I like that one." <laughs> but I mean that's that's old as fuck too. That just shows you how old I'm getting. But um yeah, there's just really hasn't been like there's good movies out there, you know. There's been I know there's been some really blockbuster films uh that moonlight movie i think it's called uh there's some really good movies out there but none of them make me want to watch them again if that can make if you can understand that yeah there's something about there's also something about the history of of like cinematography and things like i really like the evolution of pictures like how video looked at that time, it was different. Right, when it was actually shot on film. Yeah, when it was shot on film, there was a certain quality to it. And it, it, it just really, and even Last Man on Earth, which is black and white, it's killer. Right. It's like you have to kind of like, you kind of have to use your imagination. Definitely. And I think that's where we've just lost it with CGI and all the things that are uh, a little bit, you know, I don't know. You don't you don't really have to use your imagination anymore. So here's something interesting that I just put the connection to that. There is a lot of graininess, like film quality graininess there on the album covers that you release. Yeah, that's all. It's supposed to look like a movie poster. Right. And I just, you know, and I never really put it together until you so, just kind of so said that. And that's supposed to look like an old movie poster. That's the whole purpose. Nice. And and again, and again, that goes with that, uh, you know, Shepherd Ferry from Obey. He did stuff like that. He took something that was some, you know, used before and changed it and made it his own. That's kind of what graphic designers do. So it's always kind of been there. And like, again, the if it wasn't for horror movies in general, and it's weird because like, I've really changed a lot over the years because I don't really watch as much movies anymore. Um, I used to watch them all the time, but over the last two, three years, I've just really been invested in this, this studio. So I don't really, I, I, every moment of free time I have, I'm working on music now. Right. So well, and it's, a it's, big... it's, it's switched. So it's like, there's this part of me that like, if it wasn't for horror movies and things, I would have never really started to be able to be a, a, a front man because I couldn't write lyrics and, like the the like being able to adapt a horror movie into like my own lyric really helped me evolve. I started figuring out these formulas, and then the next thing, the next step was like, oh well, let's write about yourself. Let's get let's get deeper. Let's dig deeper and try to you know make something that's a little bit. I'd rather leave a bigger mark than a smaller mark. I'm only going to get so far in horror, and I felt like I had kind of hit that mark. I was like. Well, I've written a song for every favorite horror movie I've ever had, and then I've made up 20 of my own. How much further could I have gone? But that that general question, though, Last Man on Earth, Vincent Price, it's a movie that I could repeatedly, I could watch repeatedly, and um, uh, it's it's super good. It's one of Vincent Price's earlier movies. It's fucking awesome. Awesome. I'm going to have to check that film out. So what about your favorite food? What you got there? Uh, yeah, Carl's Jr., uh, Beyond Barbecue Mill. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> they know me at Carl's Jr., dude. And like, when I come up, they're like, they, they see, they know my car, like, Beyond Burger, uh, Beyond Barbecue with a root beer. <laughs> so I get a small, though. I don't get the big one. I get a small oh one. Gosh. I don't really like to eat. I don't really like to drink a lot of sugary drinks. So right. small root beer is just the right amount, and it's caffeine-free because I drink a ton of coffee. The last thing I need is sugar and caffeine at the same time right. i drink my you, coffee you end up looking like me you know <laughs> Jesus. but but i do love that but if on on so that's that's like the takeout thing at home um mainly italian food nice do a lot of ravioli here and 
tortellini, spaghetti, and uh, I'm vegetarian, so we always use like the Impossible Burger, Beyond uh, Meat, and the Beyond has a really good sausage. So it's like if you're trying to like have fake meat, I'm a, I'm half Italian, so it's like like being a <laughs> fucking vegetarian. My like most of my existence has been really complicated because like you're always smelling the crab cioppino or just all this like amazing Italian food that my family is cooking. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to have plain pasta sauce on a noodle. Yeah. So I really like to put the fake meat into the Italian food that really it just kind of brings me back to my my growing up. To preface this next question, I do have to say that it has nothing to do with music or art because this is a podcast related to metal music in particular. What is your greatest achievement personally? Uh, having my son, Rex, he's the, he's the best thing that I, I have ever had. Uh, so I don't know if that's an achievement, but. Sure it is. I mean, any, anybody could have a kid, but uh, when you have a kid later in life like I did, I, I had him, you know. Uh, Jesus, I don't even know how old I was because I'm fucking ancient now. 37, 38 or something. 38, I had him. So, um, I'm like thinking, I'm like, how old am I? I just heard, <laughs> I, cause I just, I just had a birthday like a week ago, actually. It's oh, weird. Wow. It feels like, it feels like it didn't even happen. Um, right. so, <laughs> you get our age and it's, it's just another day. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, okay. Yeah. It's like, what are you guys going to buy me? I don't even care anymore. Um, so, so that's like kind of, you know, for me, like I didn't ever like, I never really wanted to be a dad, um, until I became one, you know, when I found out that my wife was pregnant, I was like, okay, cool. I didn't was, I was never against it. You know, that's the one thing her and I always talked about. It was like, it was always like, if it happened, we would, you know, we felt old enough and stable enough to really be able to like, be like, okay, well, we could technically support a child and like give him a really good upbringing because we're both, we're not super young anymore. We've already done all our partying. Like that shit was over. You know what I mean? Right. So it was, it was good time. And when, once I saw him and that was that dude, that was it. I do everything for him now. Like the whole, legacy of my music thing is for him i want him to be able to whenever i'm gone from this world he could just go listen to one of my records and he has his dad just like mine when my dad dies i have i could always put on a record and be with him definitely and that's and, and see, that's, that's why it's an achievement that's why it's a beautiful thing dude I, yeah and, and and the other thing is is like I, since i'm I, I you know i'm the songwriter and the mastermind behind this i'm also leaving behind a small business for him like forever he'll be able to take he'll be able to have my royalties and the money that i make off of you know commercial digital even though who knows if it'll be but hey i i would i wouldn't mind i would i i know how much i make on commercial digital i wouldn't i wouldn't mind just being there to back me up every year you're like well this is coming in right (laughs) you know it's like this is coming so it's an, you know, I'm trying to, I, you know, now, now more than ever, it's more important now than it ever was before because I want to make sure that he is going to be, he's going to be able to do whatever he needs to do in his life and not have to struggle like I did. You know, there's, you know, my dad was just a bass player. My mom was a hairstylist. You know, we were kind of middle class, but barely. And, um, probably only middle class because we we're white to be honest with you you know i know exactly but that you, you know but like i i drove an 88 dodge colt for my first car i had a geo my first car that i bought with my own money was the geo metro oh so my gosh. <laughs> that should just that just tells you that should tell a story to those that know what that is of like where i was at in my world if things weren't just handed down um it had to be earned and the the thing about it is it was very hard and it was hard on me to like really have to work as hard as I did because it took away from what I really loved, you know, which was music. If I go back and go, man, if I had all those hours that I spent fucking just working, I would be an amazing musician because I would have mastered more than just what I've mastered now. I'd probably be, you know, like straight on to 
grand piano stuff, you know, and like really exploring other things, you know, even though I, my heart is always going to be heavy metal and, and hard rock. Uh, I definitely have a whole other side of me too, you know, that right. it's still, it's there. It's there. And I'm not afraid to like show that person to the world when I find out, when I find out who it is. I just don't know who that person is yet. So I know who Beastmaker is and I know who Haunt is. I don't know who the next person that's going to come out is because right. there it's there. I'm going to, I'm going to age and my tastes and my, my uh, art will change. It won't, it won't change like Metallica. It would be a different band. I would never, I would never go <laughs> and do like a, a folk album and call it Haunt. Right. You know what I mean? Even though I don't think I'd ever be fully folk, but I'm an amazing uh, xylophone player. I, I, I could actually play the xylophone like nobody's business. Really? So, yeah. So, and, and also mandolin and uh, baritone ukulele, I shred and I play 12 string guitar now, which is something I didn't know I was good at until. Until I started trying it, I was like, God damn, this is fucking hard. And it pissed me off. <laughs> Therefore, it drove me to learn it. I've been playing it every day. Ever since COVID started in fucking March for me, like when I got back from tour, I've been like just like trying to master everything. Drums. Every, every day I play drums for an hour, play guitar for an hour, play uh, 12 string, play my xylophone play my ukulele i play my ukulele a lot i travel with my ukulele that's my travel guitar nice so it's super weird heavy metal guy travels when i go out of town with my family or go to family things i don't bring an electric guitar i bring a baritone ukulele but it's because i just come i make my own wrists up and i and it's a good way to practice finger picking because it's only four strings so you just get really good at four strings right and I mean, you know, hey, I own a banjo, so it's all good. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. I mean, band, I, I like every instrument. It's just weird because, like, certain instruments work with certain genres. It's really hard to transcend them or intertwine them. Right. I agree. And then you get stuff like uh, Mama Said from Metallica. Yeah. So to follow Haunt, uh, it's uh, Facebook.com slash uh, Haunt the Nation, Instagram, yeah. uh, and Bandcamp. All Haunt the Nation. All yeah, haunt the nation. So get onto those. Buy uh, everybody out there needs to go buy some more uh, merch, which I'm being. I say I'll be support in- support your DIY artists. Yes, exactly. Support them because not only is it you're going to get more of my music, you're going to get more of other people's bands that I can take the time to record. Because if people support uh, physical product or digital albums that Bandcamp provides, it it lets us keep making music. Definitely. So I've got one more question, but I've been pushing off this break for a while now. So we're going to take a real quick break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Wrestling Steve of the Wrestling Steve show here. Uh, so if you're currently listening to the metal forge with Mark Jackson, then you understand that Mark Jackson has a pretty discerning taste when it comes to music as a whole. You'll also understand that he has a discerning taste for professional wrestling, just like me. My show is called The Wrestling Steve Show. Uh, I talk about modern and classic pro wrestling in a completely unbiased, unfiltered way. Be sure to check me out on all available podcasting platforms. That is The Wrestling Steve Show. And I am the host, Wrestling Steve. Just remember, uh, like like Confucius said, uh, man who goes through turnstile in Thailand uh, is going to Bangkok. Pro wrestling. All right, Trevor, here's the last question for you. How would you like to die? Well, if, if I had, if I get my choice, I think everybody kind of wants to die in their sleep. Um, so, you know, a nice massive heart attack would be good. But you know, sleep, instant. Yeah. Just say bye-bye world. Yeah. Thank you. And just because gone. who wants to say they want to suffer? That's you know, like, I mean, I definitely don't want to have to suffer. Like, getting old is suffering enough. That you have to suffer through life. Why do you need to suffer into death? I mean, that's supposed to be the time where you're going to rest. So, go out with a fucking nice, you know, nice big-ass fucking heart attack and call it a day. But, you know... <sighs> Everybody fears their own, morta- their own mortality, even me. 
And there's, you know, I think about how all the ways you could die. And man, there's some fucked up ways to die. Yeah, very much. And those, the ones that really scare me are the stuff like Lou Gehrig's disease, um, you know, Alzheimer's and things where you lose your mind, dementia. It's just like, those to me are so fucking scary because you, you could live a long ass time with some of those, not Lou Gehrig's, but Alzheimer's. Fuck, you could go like, my great grandma went like 12 years. Yeah. I mean, it's like, fuck, it's almost inhumane. I don't know why, like, you can't just fucking Soylent Green it and go to, you know, get turned into Soylent Green, if you know what I'm talking oh, about. Yes, if you absolutely, don't. I do. So, so, I mean, that should be a reality, you know, like, we shouldn't have to be here to suffer so uh, hospitals could make money or whatever, whatever ethics, ethical reasons there are. But, you know, those things are the scary way, like, Cancer, yeah, it's fucked up, but at least it's going to take you out hella quicker, man. But if you have to go through remission, my aunt had a double mastectomy. She died of cancer, and it was really fucked up. It was a horrible way to die. Uh, but, you know, uh, I would, like, it sounds super disturbing to say, but I would take cancer over Alzheimer's or you know, severe dementia or Lou Gehrig's disease where it's like, you, you, you know, it's really my, my, um, uh, a family friend of ours got Lou Gehrig's disease and he was, he was really, I was really close to him. He gave me my first job at a coffee shop in high school. So I was super lucky because I didn't have to like really go find a job, you know, like he provided it for me and he taught me a lot about my life. He taught me how to do a tune up on a car how to change my oil. He was a great man. And I spent a lot of time at their house. He died of Lou Gehrig's disease and it was fucked up, man. It was gnarly to watch. Right. Seriously. It was insane. So heart attack is, is, is the one. I, I would have to agree with you on that actually. Cool. All right. So before we go, Trevor, thank you so much. I appreciate it. This has been a, an interview in the making. It's it's so, yeah. It's, it's sorry been, about <laughs> sorry about the delays, dude. It's awesome. Been crazy. I, I get it. I I was doing so many interviews there. When you got to realize when an album comes out, it's just like the interview floodgates are yeah. opened, and it's just like oh, trying to find the time, and then trying to also start an up you know a, a startup record label for my own band, taking a huge risk of like having to do stuff myself and then mess up, you know, like. It's always, you know, there's, there's the only so much a man could do before you just start forgetting stuff, but we got it done and it was fun. It absolutely was. And on the way out, <laughs> what, do yeah. you, what do you want me to play from, from you? What, um, what song? To, why what, don't we go, why don't we go with Beastmaker Eye of the Storm since that was, you like that cover the best, uh, or you liked the, uh, the, the font. Hell uh, yeah. let's, let's go with that song because it, it's a, it's a good one. Has good lyrics. All right, so here it comes. This is Eye of the Storm by Beastmaker. Reaching out for help 
Since 1973, Tattoo Charlie's has been an established body modification studio in Kentucky. Featuring world-renowned artists and piercers, currently with locations on Preston Highway and in Lexington. A staple point in the tattoo community. Learn more at TattooCharlie's.com. Set up your appointment today at 7904 Preston Highway. Our tattoos are done while you wait. Musicians rejoice. Confused with all the modern and technical pedal board selections? Look no further. Kentucky Hot Brown Pedal Boards offer their homemade wooden and custom pedal boards for guitarists and bassists alike. Established in 2013, KYHBPB has helped support not only the local Louisville scene, but a large array of big and small players from across the entire country. More info can be found at KentuckyPedalBoards.com.